السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده ولا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page. And inshallah ta'ala, today we're going to begin uh, with the first page of the third juz, which is page 42 of the Quran. And this is uh, still in Surah Al Baqarah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the previous episode, as we mentioned, or the previous two episodes uh, regarding the story uh, that we know as in biblical terms as the story of David and Goliath. Or as is mentioned in the Quran, the Prophet Dawood and Jalut. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned to us a number of principles and important lessons in that story in terms of steadfastness and sacrifice to Allah and patience in your religion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at the beginning of the third juz of the Quran in verse 253, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, A'udhu billahi min shaytanir rajeem, tilka rusulu faddalna ba'dahum ala ba'd. منهم من كلم الله ورفع بعضهم درجات وآتينا عيسى بن مريم البينات وأيدناه بروح القدس ولو شاء الله مقتتل الذين من بعدهم من بعد ما جاءتهم البينات من بعد ما جاءتهم البينات ولكن اختلفوا فمنهم فمنهم من آمن ومنهم من كفر ولو شاء الله ما قتتلوا ولكن الله يفعل ما يريد الله سبحانه وتعالى says we favored some of those messengers above others indeed Allah عز وجل spoke to some others he raised in rank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, after mentioning the story of Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam, and as we said, the final uh, verse that we took in the previous episode speaks to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasalam directly and it addresses him and he says, وَإِنَّكَ لَمِنَ الْمُرْسَلِينَ Indeed, you are from amongst the messengers. Now those messengers are not just one or ten or twenty, but there is a whole long line of them. As Allah Azza wa mentions elsewhere in the Quran, that there are from amongst the messengers those to, of whom we have related their stories to you, and those whose stories we have not related to you. And so there are many prophets of Allah, many messengers of Allah, we don't know their names, we don't know their stories, we don't know the nations that they were sent to, we have no information concerning them except that they were prophets and messengers of Allah and there are even narrations and Allah knows best because some of the scholars differed over their authenticity but there are some narrations in which it is said that the number of prophets that Allah sent to earth or uh, to the people of the earth numbered over a hundred thousand and from amongst them over three hundred were messengers so prophets over a hundred thousand messengers over three hundred the number of them that we know of in the Quran is like twenty or thirty and so that shows to you the, the difference in terms of the many prophets of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah sent to the people of the earth and the stories that we have in terms of revelation in the book of Allah Azza wa Jal, the Quran. But one of the things that Allah Azza wa Jal does mention to us though and in this verse is that those messengers فَضَّلْنَا بَعْضَهُمْ عَلَىٰ بَعْضٍ They are not of an equal level. 
some of them were given virtues over and above others, positions higher than others. That is not to demean any of the prophets of Allah, nor is it allowed to say this in a way that is demeaning the status or dishonoring any of the prophets of Allah. And the Prophet disliked this, this rivalry that people used to have between prophets. For example, oh, that we say, you know, the Prophet is our prophet, he's better than your prophet because you're a Christian and you have Jesus. And all of these are prophets of Allah that we believe in. And even though, yes, we believe that the Prophet has a higher status, has a greater virtue than all of the other Prophets of Allah this is not said in a way that is boastful. It's not said in a way to demean or in any way dishonor any of the other Prophets of Allah And when the Prophet would see this and you find narrations of, of, this, uh, of this in the Sunnah, when you would see this occurring amongst the companions and for example the Jews that lived in Medina, the Prophet would put a stop to it. He said, for example, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, no one should say that I am better than Yunus ibn Matta. Yunus, the Prophet, Yunus alayhi salatu wasalam. No one should say that I, meaning the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, are better than the Prophet Yunus. Even though it is part of our aqidah, part of our belief, that the Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is the greatest of Allah's creation and the most noble of them and the most beloved of them to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But when it's done in a way to demean or to cause a type of rivalry, no. Because all of the prophets of Allah are the servants of Allah. All of them call to Allah azza wa jal. And so therefore that rivalry or that, that, that virtue that is given, it is given in the way that Allah azza wa jal describes here by way of example. مِنْهُمْ مَنْ كَلَّمَ اللَّهُ وَرَفَعَ بَعْضَهُمْ دَرَجَاتِ some of them Allah spoke to directly, like the Prophet Musa Some of them Allah made his close friend, like Ibrahim Some of them Allah Subhanahu wa Taala blew into directly of his own, uh, blew into them from his own, uh, from himself Subhanahu wa Taala, uh, like for example Isa And some of them Allah raised to the heavens and spoke to them directly, like our Prophet So they were given different virtues in that way. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jalla mentions one of those prophets who were given those extra virtues, and that is the Prophet Isa alayhi salatu wasalam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَآتِيْنَا عِيْسَ بْنَ مَرْيَمَ الْبَيِّنَاتِ And indeed we gave to Jesus, the son of Mary, our clear signs. وَأَيَّدْنَاهُ بِرُوحِ الْقُدُسِ The clear signs of Allah, that he would have the gospel, the Injil that was revealed to him. The clear signs of Allah, that he was able to cure the leper and the blind. All of these signs that Allah gave to him, that is mentioned elsewhere, or that are mentioned elsewhere in the Qur'an. وَأَيَّدْنَاهُ بِرُوحِ الْقُدُسِ And we strengthened him with the Holy Spirit. Either the spirit of Iman, meaning the spirit of belief in Allah Azza wa Jalla, knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because the prophets of Allah seek comfort and seek strength in the knowledge and revelation that Allah Azza wa Jalla gives to them, or as a number of the scholars of tafsir said, that we strengthen him with the Holy Spirit, meaning the Ruh al-Qudus being the angel Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam, who is the angel that comes to the prophets of Allah with revelation. He is charged with bringing revelation to the prophets and messengers of Allah and he also helps them and strengthens them and aids them by Allah's permission. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, if Allah had so willed, their successes would not have fought each other after they had been brought the clear signs, but they disagreed. So some of them believed and some of them disbelieved. Had Allah willed, all of them would have been united. All of them would have remained upon the straight path. But that is the test of the dunya. 
The test of the dunya is to see who has the strength of iman and believes in Allah is willing to is willing to uh, to sacrifice for him and to submit to him subhanahu wa ta'ala as opposed to those people who are not willing to do so. And so some of them disagreed. So you have the believers and you have the disbelievers. And if Allah had also willed, they would never have fought one another. But Allah does as he pleases. That is from the nature of the dunya. The nature of humans is that they constantly compete with one another. They're constantly fighting and disagreeing with one another. But the most noblest thing that a person can stay upon is their belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and their willingness to worship him alone jalla fi ula in the next verse verse 254 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says ya ayyuhalladhina amanu anfiqu mimma razaqnakum min qabli an ya'tiya yawmun la bay'un fihi wa la qullatun wa la shafa'a wal kafiruna humul zalimun o you who believe Give from what we have provided for you before the day comes when there is no bargaining, no friendship, no intercession. And indeed it is the disbelievers who are wrong. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives this command to the believers when he says, Oh you who believe. And this is a common call that Allah Azza wa mentions in the Quran. And as the famous companion Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, that when you hear this call in the Quran, Oh you who believe, then pay attention to it. For it is either a command that Allah is giving that you should follow for your salvation or is a, it is a prohibition that Allah is mentioning that you should refrain from also for your salvation. And so here Allah says, spend, give from that which we have provided for you, meaning give charity, spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give some of this wealth that you covet, that you work so hard to gain and to save and to keep, give some of it willingly in the path of Allah Azza wa Jal, min qabli an ya'tiya yawm, before that day comes, meaning the day of judgment, on that day there will be no bear, no transaction. You can't come on yawm al-qiyamah and bargain. You can't say, oh Allah, I will sell this and give me this. Oh Allah, in order to save me from your punishment, I will do this. There is no transaction, no bargaining on that day of yawm al-qiyamah. Wala khulla. Nor is there any close friendship that will come and save you from Allah's punishment or His accounting or His wrath, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Except, and unless Allah Azza wa allows, and that is for the believers whose friendship is based upon taqwa, that is a friendship that will benefit as Allah Azza wa mentions elsewhere in the Quran. The closest of friends on that day, meaning the day of judgment, will be enemies one to another, except for the people of taqwa, the pious, and those conscious of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, otherwise there is no friendship. That closest friend that made you negligent of Allah, that didn't remind you of Allah's rights upon you, that would often distract you from worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that friendship will mean nothing on the day of judgment. Rather, each one of you will be trying to sacrifice the other in order to save yourselves from Allah's punishment. So there is no bargaining or transactioning power, no buying or selling, no bartering for goods, nor is there any type of close friendship, except if it is based upon taqwa, wala shafa'a, nor will there be any intercession, except the intercession that Allah allows. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in order to allow that intercession, must be pleased with the one who's making the intercession, the one on whose behalf the intercession is being made, and the reason for which the intercession is also being done. Allah must sanction all of that first in order for that to be done. So we know that the Prophet ﷺ will intercede, and the believers will intercede, but it will be for those people that Allah allows intercession for. Someone who's a disbeliever, 
There's no intercession, generally speaking, for those types of people. So therefore, what exists in terms of these issues that Allah mentions, it is limited for the people of Iman, generally speaking. Otherwise, there is no type of transactioning, there is no type of friendship, there is no type of intercession. وَالْكَافِرُونَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ So therefore, what should you do? If none of these other things benefit, what will benefit for you? What will benefit you? Allah Azzawajal is telling us here. It is your iman in Allah Azzawajal and your good deeds. So do as much as you can. As the Prophet said وسلم, in the famous hadith that all of us will be familiar with, he said that a person will come on the day of judgment and they will see in front of them fire, behind them fire, to the right fire and to the left fire. So save yourselves from that fire. وَلَوْ بِشَقِّ tamra. Even if it is with the date stone, or some of them said, even if it is with the membrane that surrounds the date stone, the smallest part of the date, if that is all that you can give in charity, then do so. And in other narrations, And if you cannot do that, then with a good word. Say a good, pleasant word to someone. Maybe that will be enough to save you from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Maybe that date stone is enough to buy you freedom from the fire of hell. May Allah save us from that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then in the next verse, verse 255, is Ayat al-Kursi. And Ayat al-Kursi, as we know, as is mentioned in the hadith of Ubayy ibn Ka'ab, radiyallahu an, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked him one day, what is the greatest verse of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he replied that it is this verse, Allahu la ilaha illahu al-hayyu al-qayyum, known as Ayat al-Kursi, and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam agreed. And this verse is an amazing verse. All of it speaks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, his attributes, his characteristics, Jalla Fi'ula, his names, and his powers and abilities subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that shows to you that the greatest knowledge that you can possess or attain or learn about and study is the knowledge of your Lord and Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala, his names, his 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 attributes, his powers, your aqidah, your belief in him subhanahu wa ta'ala, everything that draws you closer to him and strengthens your relationship with him subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is from the greatest and most noble knowledge that you can pursue. This verse also, as we see, is in the midst of Surah Al-Baqarah. It's not a verse that has been placed in a surah by itself. It's not one of the verses that we see at the end of the Quran in Juz Amma, in the 30th Juz with all of those other surahs that are small, but rather it is placed in the midst of Surah Al-Baqarah, in the middle of Surah Al-Baqarah. And perhaps the reason Allah knows best for that is because this is a surah, as we mentioned before, that speaks about the belief system, the main characteristics and issues of faith that the believer needs in order to worship their Lord. And from the greatest of them, is knowledge of his Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. In order for you to truly worship Allah Azza wa Jal and to truly be able to submit to him subhanahu wa ta'ala, you must increase your level of knowledge concerning your Lord and Creator. Because otherwise, how can you be sure that you are pleasing Allah Azza wa Jal and worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you do not know about your Lord and your Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala? And it is a natural thing amongst humans that that which they love, they learn about your hobbies, your interests, the people that are close to you, you know about those things because you love them. And that love drives a thirst for knowledge concerning those things. And that thirst for knowledge then goes around again and increases you in your love even more. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in this verse 255 of Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayat Al-Kursi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is none worthy of worship except him he is al-hay the ever-living al-qayyum the one who is self-sufficient the master 
Allah describes himself as being Allah. From the greatest names of Allah is this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he is Allah. None has the right to be worshipped except him. Ayat al-Kursi begins with the statement of Tawheed. That no one has the right to be worshipped except Allah Azza wa Jal. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions Al-Hay Al-Qayyum. Al-Hay Al-Qayyum is according to some of the scholars of Tafsir and some of the scholars of Islam from the greatest names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is because it is said that every other name comes back to those these two names. Al-Hay is the one who is ever living. And every other attribute of Allah Azza wa Jalla, and all of Allah's attributes are perfection, all of them are perfect. Every other attribute of Allah Azza wa Jalla comes back to Al-Hay, that He is ever-living. Because the one who is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-hearing, most merciful, most generous, most kind, and every other name of Allah can only exist if Allah Azza wa Jalla is ever-living. And in order for you to worship a God, a deity, a divine being, that divine, uh, that deity or that God must be ever-living. If you thought that your God was going to die before you, or your God is so weak that they can't even prevent uh, harm from coming to themselves or death from approaching them, then what good will they do you and what can they help you with? That means that there is a greater force that is stronger than this God that you are worshipping. Because things like death are beyond the purview of that God. They have no control over certain issues. They can't control certain aspects of the universe. And so Allah Azza wa says he is al-hayy. And Al-Qayyum is the one who is self-sufficient and suffices everything else. Allah, as he subhanahu wa ta'ala will mention, uh, forthcoming in Ayat Al-Kursi, Allah doesn't need sleep, Allah doesn't need food, Allah doesn't need helpers, Allah doesn't need a wife or a child or anything else. He is Al-Qayyum, self-sufficient. But at the same time, everything else in existence is dependent upon him. And that is the meaning of Al-Qayyum. The one who suffices everything else whilst being self-sufficient. Everything else in creation needs Allah Azza wa but Allah needs nothing. And so those two attributes are from the greatest and most powerful attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa then goes on to say, لَا تَأْخُذُهُ وَلَا نَوْمُ Neither slumber nor sleep overtake him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala never sleeps, nor does he become tired and drowsy. A Lord and a creator, a God that is worthy of all worship subhanahu wa ta'ala, cannot be one that is in any weakness of any type. Any inherent weakness in a God shows that that God is not a God. A God that becomes tired, a God that needs to sleep, a God that needs to rest, a God, for example, as you know, some of the religions say that Allah needed to rest on the seventh day after creating the heavens and the earth, that is a God that is weak. A God that needs food or drink, a God that becomes sick, a God that becomes... All of these things are deficiencies. That is what we have as Allah's creation. That is why in the dunya, we become sick. We die. We need food. We need drink. We need rest. We, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need any of those things. But rather everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to him subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one who created, originated everything. He is the one who controls everything subhanahu wa ta'ala. And his command is simply to say be and it is. Allah Azza wa can do all of this without any problem or any difficulty or any effort subhanahu wa ta'ala. مَنْ ذَا الَّذِي يَشْفَعُ عِنْدَهُ إِلَّا بِإِذْنِهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So therefore who can intercede with him except by those who have his permission? Who can intercede except by Allah's leave and his permission? 
Allah controls everything in the heavens and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala controls everything in this life, and Allah controls everything that will take place after this life, in the next life, in the hereafter. Allah controls everything. There is nothing beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's scope of control. What we see today in, in, you know, in Hollywood, in, in, in a lot of these fantasy movies, a lot of these, where you have these demigods or some type of supernatural human beings, and all, they give you someone who is supernaturally strong. But each one of them, in order for the storyline to work, has to have some inherent weakness. They have to have some problem. They have to have something which is beyond their ability. They need others to help them. There is something that is far stronger in terms of a force that is then the threat to their existence or to their well-being. That is all uh, made-up stuff. It's all mythology. It's all stuff that doesn't really exist because in order for that to happen, it means that they are not truly gods. They're not truly powerful. They are just from the other types of creation that exist concerning that which we see amongst us. And so what you see even in old mythology and religions, that you have a god for this and a god for that, and and then they fight with one another and they disagree with one another and there's wars with one another. All of this shows that all of that is false. But rather Allah is the one true God subhanahu wa ta'ala worthy of all worship. He controls everything in the heavens and the earth and from that which he controls is intercession. Because intercession is one of the greatest things that the people will need on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. All of us will need Allah's mercy. All of us will need the intercession of our Prophet Wasallam. All of us will be in need of the intercession of the other believers on our behalf and the good deeds that we've done and so on. But that intercession, it is something which Allah controls and it is only by His permission subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَعْلَمُ مَا بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَمَا خَلْفَهُمْ he, is no, he knows what is before you and what is behind you. Meaning he knows that which took place in your past, that which will take place in your future. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has knowledge of everything. And there is nothing that escapes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the attributes of a God that is all perfect. Is that he is all knowing subhanahu wa ta'ala. That there is nothing that can take place that is beyond the field of his knowledge subhanahu wa ta'ala because for it to do, to be the case that things could happen in this world in this universe and Allah is unaware Allah doesn't know or as some of the misguided groups of Islam said that Allah doesn't know certain things that happen until they take place that is a sign of weakness in Allah it shows that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does, isn't all knowing doesn't have the ability to know everything Allah has to wait and he's surprised just as me and you are surprised Allah doesn't know what's going to take place until and when it happens that is a sign of weakness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says rather he knows everything and so when you turn to Allah when you make dua to Allah when you seek Allah's help you go to the one who is all-knowing who knows what is best for you not only in terms of what happened to you in the past but what is good for you in the present and what is best for you in terms of your future and that is why we turn to Allah in dua. When you seek advice from others and help from others, that advice is limited. That help is limited because they are limited in terms of their knowledge, in their scope to understand, in their understanding and, and appreciation of what you're going through in your individual circumstances because you are different from someone else, the person next to you and other people who are similar to you in a similar situation. But each person has their own dynamics, has their own issues going on. No two people are exactly the same. But when you turn to Allah you turn to your Lord and Creator who has knowledge of all of these things. And He knows them better than you do. And Allah knows what will happen in the future. And even those things that Allah has decreed not to happen, if they were to happen, Allah knows in the way that they would happen also. That complete, ultimate, perfect knowledge is why we worship Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
But they do not comprehend any of his knowledge except that which he wills. What we have is from the knowledge that Allah gave to us. Allah gave to us a small amount of knowledge in certain things that we have been able to use and excel in. All of that is from the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is much of knowledge that Allah azza wa has withheld from us. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that in the Quran, الروح, they ask you concerning the soul, say no one knows this reality except my Lord. Allah says, Allah knows when the hour will come. Allah knows exactly which land will get rain. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who determines what you will do tomorrow in terms of deeds. Allah is the one who knows which land you will die upon and when you will die, when the hour will come of death upon you. Allah knows there is much of that knowledge that Allah has given and kept to himself. And that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says elsewhere in the Quran, And above every one of knowledge is the one who is more knowledgeable until you return back to the one who is all knowing subhanahu wa ta'ala. And indeed his footstool extends over the heavens and the earth. The footstool of Allah is where He places His feet subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is greater than the heavens and the earth. And in a hadith, the Prophet described the kursi of Allah in relation to the heavens and the earth. And he said, it is like the example of someone going into a vast desert, taking off the ring from their finger and throwing it in the middle of the desert. That, that ring is like the heavens and the earth, the desert being like the footstool of Allah. What is the comparison between the two? And then the throne of Allah compared to the footstool is similarly like the one who goes into a desert and throws his ring into the middle of it. That is how vast these creations of Allah are. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows us this in Ayat al-Kursi so that we understand the power of Allah the magnificence and the majesty of our Lord and Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah says, but all of this, despite its vastness and its greatness, it does not tire him or make him wary when it comes to his preservation. The whole of the universe and everything that Allah has placed therein, it does not tire him in terms of its maintenance and upkeep. People wanting stuff, people asking for stuff, people dying, people being born. All of this stuff that happens, it is simple for Allah Azza wa Jal. It is not even the smallest of problems for him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَهُوَ الْعَلِيُّ الْعَظِيمُ And Allah is the most high, the most tremendous. In verse 256, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says, لَا إِكْرَاهَ فِي الدِّينِ قَدْ تَبَيَّنَ الرُّشْدُ مِنَ الْغَيْءِ فَمَنْ يَكْفُرْ بِالطَّاغُوتِ وَيُؤْمِنْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ اسْتَمْسَكَ بِالْعُرْوَةِ الْوُثْقَ لَنْ فِصَامَ لَهَا وَاللَّهُ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ There is no compulsion in the religion. True guidance has become distinct from error. So whoever rejects false gods and believes in Allah has grasped the firmest handhold. One that will never break, for indeed Allah is all hearing and all knowing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that there is no compulsion in the religion, meaning that the religion is clear, the truth is clear. You don't need to force people to accept Islam because its signs are clear. And so therefore it's not something which is vague or ambiguous or requires any more clarity than that which Allah has already given to it. Not only that, but to force people to accept Islam would mean that their hearts were not sincere that they don't truly believe, so they essentially become a type of hypocrite. And that is also something which, as we know, is not something which Allah Azza wa wants, nor does it, nor is it something which is sanctioned in Islam. And that is why Allah Azza wa says, true guidance is distinct from error. 
Allah has made clear the truth from the falsehood, the path of good from the path of evil, and so therefore it is simple for people to follow. So whoever disbelieves in the false gods besides Allah, believes in Allah instead, then they have hold or held onto the firmest handhold, they have grasped the firmest handhold, the one that will never break, and that is the handhold that leads you to Allah of Iman and holding on to the Quran and holding on to the religion of Islam. And indeed, Allah is all hearing and He is all knowing. And with that, we come to the end of this particular verse. And inshallah ta'ala, today's episode. And inshallah ta'ala, I will see you in a forthcoming episode. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim